Fabulous. Okay. All right. Hello and welcome just a family. This is just a live TV. You're giving you something to talk about. I'm your host, Melissa Kretschler. I'm an identity coach, spiritual teacher, business mentor, as well as creator and founder of just a live TV and the women supporting women can network. Today, we're going to be talking about redesigning education. And I'm really excited for this episode. Um, I absolutely love it. I have my own ideas for redesigning education some of them a little off the wall and a little crazy, but hey, most of the most genius ideas start out as crazy ideas, so why not? Um, join and like and follow us. You can find us on all of our social media platforms at Just Alive TV, or you can sign up for our newsletter at justalivetv.com. If you'd like to be a guest speaker or if you'd like to see a topic featured, please reach out. We're always looking for new inspiration for our daily topics. Um, today's episode has been sponsored by a Phoenix identity. Go and check out their smarter method, uh, smarter kids method in particular on this one. Um, go and check that out link in the description. So you can see what the smarter method is or smarter kids is and go from there. Cause there's a lot coming with that. Uh, today's guest speaker is Shara Leibowitz. So would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I am Shirley Boitz, and uh, very happy to be here. I spent my career 20 years as a principal of pre-K to eighth grade schools, mostly kindergarten to fifth grade, and uh, always wanted to bring the, the play and project-based learning of early childhood up through the grades. That, that's long been my approach. And in 2019, July of 2019, I was very blessed to be able to open my own child care center and preschool and to really do it. So I, I, I felt like early childhood was the space where we could really build a foundation to redesign education, what we're talking about. Um, now, I've taught or led programs, students of literally every age from birth to doctoral students in education. I still teach doctoral students in education. And I do believe that early childhood has so much to teach. So that was July of 2019. And um, uh, I've been on this journey and, uh, you know, a lot of world events happened in the middle. So uh, that led us a little off course and in various other directions. And, um, and it remains a focus on, on redesign. And, and, and actually, I, I do have a book coming out, um, Havens of Hope, Ideas for Redesigning Education from the COVID-19 pandemic that talks a lot about what educators have accomplished in the past few years and what that could mean if we choose to make it mean redesign what that could mean for us moving forward absolutely you and i had some interesting discussions when we first started talking about it and today i gave you another one of my interesting ideas we did an episode um raising smarter kids the other day and i am all for changing the way that we raise our children i've noticed for myself that even with my own children there are things that they learn and things that they don't learn. And, and depending on their situation, their lifestyle, what their parenting style is, we're, our kids are missing things. I have one child that is very highly anxious, uh, was born that way. And so they need something different. I have one child who is very out there and into just absolutely everything. Something's not good and they need a different hand. Um, I have one child that has no confidence or, you know, outside the home skills. They're great at home, 
But when it comes to anything outside the house, they're very closed off and very um, shy and reserved. And then I have another child that went off the rails. <laughs> I'm totally good now. But I've noticed that each one of them have different learning styles and each one of them have had their own ups and downs, right? You look at our, the way we were raised, right? We were, we were thrown out there and said, cope with it, deal with it, do what you need to do, just get it done with, you know, we had no choice but to learn coping skills. And I think that coping skills are, are huge for kids. I've looked personally at the school system and there are things that are missing or things that need to be upgraded. You and I talked right before the show, there was um, a thought that I had had where majority of our everyday learning, and this is what school should really be, is our everyday learning. Our everyday learning, that takes up the first, what, pre-kindergarten to grade eight, grade nine, and then you get into the higher level learning. And my thought was always, okay, well, that higher, higher level learning are for kids who want to be scientists, who want to be doctors or educators or anything that's going to take them further and above and beyond what everyday schooling, right? Everyday life. And so I always thought, you know, why not stop school at a certain point and then make the rest elective, right? If they want to go to school, they can go to a secondary learning right? Like pre-college courses, take, you know, the, the different sciences, the different math, the different, you know, um, English or LA, whatever you want to call it, and just continue on from there. What are your thoughts on that? We could. I, I feel that what the last few years of education taught us is that education doesn't have to be the way it was. And so you and I were talking about education having been the same for the past hundred years or longer, but in 2020 and 2021, it wasn't the same. It changed, it literally changed overnight. And so school went online, school moved outside, people started micro schools, pods, people figured out different ways of learning. And while the mainstream press mostly talks about what wasn't good and with legitimately, there was a lot that was horrible about it. Um, we were in crisis. There was also a lot of beauty that came of it. And, and one of the beautiful things that came of it was seeing how we could do education differently. And education doesn't have to be massive systems, one size fits all. Education can be a series of small systems that are more responsive to the interest and needs of individual students and families. Yep. Um, I think that for me, and I love that you said that, it's, for me, it comes down to we're all individuals. We all learn differently. We all, we all experience differently. And you have these rigid outlines or what used to be rigid outlines of our schooling and our learning that are now coming into awareness, like you said, over what's happened in the last two years, where it's like, is that really needed, right? Um, I know that over the course of the pandemic, my kids were um, at home learning for just about two years. And in that time, they slept better. They were, you know, they obviously missed the interaction with the other kids. They missed the routine of that. And there were, there were other things, right? Leaving the house, all of that. But at the same time, it was, 
they didn't have the bullying. They didn't have the peer pressure. They didn't have the rigid space of, you know, this is how you have to learn or you have to do it by this time. Um, I found a letter the other day and I was mentioning that to you before, before we started, I was mentioning this letter that I saw on Facebook the other day and it was great. I even told my husband about it because I was just like, this is too good. Um, and it was a young boy um, and he didn't do his homework. So his parents got this email saying, you know, your son didn't do his homework. Um, and so he ended up having to write a letter and it was posted online as to why he didn't do his homework. And I want to read that letter because the logic behind this letter is so on point that it's, that it's just, it's absolutely hilarious, but it's not even funny because it's so on point. So I didn't do my homework because I don't want to do schoolwork over the weekend because it is a stress-free time to go out with friends, watch TV, and play games. I don't do it also because it makes me very mad and unhappy. I do what makes me happy because I want to be happy. Plus, my mom has been finding gray hairs, not trying to stress out. Doing, see, and this is, okay, so the real world jobs don't give you homework unless you're a boss or teacher. Homework is not a real thing in the real world, so we should not have to do it in school because it's not useful. Case closed, the court rules in favor of, and then he says his name, in the case of students' homework, and it was the logic behind it was so on point because when it does make him unhappy, right? The weekends, even adults, when you work a nine to five, your weekends, your time, you know, after that five o'clock, you punch out, you're done. And that's most careers, most jobs, right? Where you don't take your work home. And there was just a great example of how school wasn't mimicking real life. It wasn't teaching real world. For me, school teaches a lot of very rigid, you have to be one way, do one thing. I remember being in grade four and I would cry every day after school because I had one of the most horrible teachers you could possibly imagine. And I remember we were getting ready for our Halloween party and then it was grade four, right? So Halloween parties at that point were fun. Everybody brought something and you played games and it was a great time. So we're getting ready for this Halloween party and we were doing multiplication. And even to this day, I still struggle with multiplication. If you put me on the spot, I, my mind will completely blank. And a lot of it comes down to this interaction with this teacher. There were probably about five to seven of us sitting outside that classroom while everybody else got to be at the Halloween party. And she would literally ask you for your multiplication table and she would snap her fingers. And if you didn't know it by the snap of her finger, you weren't allowed in. And yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I feel, you know, the education system today focuses on what the system perceives as college and career readiness. And we could argue over whether it's effective in college and career readiness. Um, but great education is is grounded in in a purpose that's that's bigger. And so, an example, um, Maria Montessori began 1907. So we're talking about 20th century, a long time ago, but but really different than than most of what we see today. And her grounding was peace. You know, she was living through two world wars, so 
peace was real. That was real world. And she was a warrior. She believed that world peace begins in early childhood classroom, peaceful early early childhood classroom. So she was teaching lots of things and the schools were superb, most of them. And um, they were grounded in this deeper purpose of peace. She was she was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. So it, it made an impact, right? It, it can be, school can be for something bigger, for something more significant to us. And I, that's been not so on my mind recently. And so for me, and there are a million different things it could be, and I do believe in small education and, and responsive to individual families and students. For me, it's about well-being. Coming through pandemic, it was, can we figure out how to be okay, no matter what's thrown at us, no matter what's happening in the world? And it means physically, it means social, emotionally, it means spiritually, it means intellectually, it means financially. So that career readiness is important. We've got to figure out how to support ourselves in the world. Um, but but you have to think about, well, what does well-being mean? And it's not the same for every single person. So I, I, I think it's it's a gift and a possibility of our times to be able to say, well, well what's the point anyway? Um, and, and here's a child who was able to say in your letter, which is magnificent, and there's so much research about homework not having any impact up until uh, at least middle school, if not high school. So what are we doing to kids, what what message are we giving? Um, he was giving an argument about homework not having value, and that's be, it's a beautiful thing, and it was a powerful statement. We could at the same time talk about well, what does have value, and and really think that through in ways that aren't just accepting the way we've always done things. Yeah, I think uh, going forward, right? I feel that education. If- Education as it stands today, and not to talk about any schools that have done progress, that have made changes, we're not talking specifically about any school or any practice, but look at the mental health, right? And now mental health is everything. Mental health is your physical health. It's your overall well-being. It's your dedication. It's, and this is why I created the Smarter Method. And it works in schools because if we take the smarter method and we based our schooling off the smarter method, I, the reason I created the method in the first place is, is because again, I'm very passionate about children's mental health and looking at my own children, it got me questioning, what do my children need as a parent, right? As a parent, it's my responsibility to prepare my children in a certain way so that they are happy, healthy, fully functioning adults for themselves in the real world, right? And not hidden by me or, or my husband. So what, how are we teaching that in schools? So in schools, you have a lot of, again, rigidity, where instead of being Melissa and Shira and all of the other students, we're statistics, right? In school, you're a statistic. Yes, your teacher will know your name. Yes, your teacher will most likely care about you. You're with that teacher for eight months out of a year, right? You're going through multiple teachers throughout the years, depending on the schooling system and your statistics. Well, my class did this well in, you know, the exams, or we need to just get your marks to here and you're good. But again, every life is individual. Every person is individual 
right? And I'm not saying to have individual classes for individual people because that would never work. But I'm saying if we actually focused on the things that they do need. Now, absolutely, they need an education. They need to know how to do math. They need to know how to write. They need to know how to speak and how to read and how to do the calculations. And, you know, I love that they used to have and not all of them have it anymore. Home economics. You know, I remember making a sweater, knowing how to sew. If my clothes broke, I was able to fix them. I now have part of my business is sewing bags, right? and making things, making products, right? We're going into a, a society where we're seeing people struggle with mental health. And, I, and I'm sorry, I'm going to bring this up. So for anybody who struggled with this, my heart bleeds for you, but the amount of school shootings, those are children targeting children, their mental health. That's mental health, a child targeting other children. That's mental health, right? We have the school system where majority of kids are either bullies or being bullied, or they're loners who don't get interaction from either or because they're quiet and very withdrawn. And we're not focusing on those things, right? Yeah. It's, it's all about the, the, the actual education. We're not teaching them coping skills. We're not teaching them mental health and, and who they are as an individual? There, there are a few things I wanna say. Um, one is um, my heart goes out to teachers right now. It's, it's hard yep. and um, massive numbers of superb teachers are leaving the field. They have had it. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I know you don't mean this, Melissa. It, it's, this is not, in, in wondering how things could be different, like it's, 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 it's not about any particular teacher. No, it's yeah, it's right? not just not it's parents, right? Everybody, right? right? That's that's a global accountability. Yeah, yeah. I would never so, go after the teachers. I and I I know that I totally know <laughs> that. So I, I just wanted to say yeah. it because yeah. you know people feel rightfully so sensitive. Teachers have been on the line in so many ways. Um, the past few years have been excruciatingly difficult for educators who. Um, have really done extraordinary work. Um, so that's one thing I want to say. The other thing I want to say is back to this, um, my grounding and well-being and mental health, emotional health. Um, and uh, the school shootings, what each time one happens, I, I remember my fourth grade teacher who was excellent. Um, she was toward the very end of her career. She was way past an age that most teachers retired at that time. And it was like a walking history book. She was just, she told stories all the time. And we learned from her through her stories and tons of stories about living through the depression and how they managed and what her family did and really brought, um, brought the learning to life in this beautiful way. And, and she was this kind of wise grandmotherly mentor to us. And, um, there's this period of time where we were using the term evil as slang, saying things like, my mom is evil. She made me eat my broccoli last night, you know, things like that. So she wanted us to understand what evil means. And, and I remember, I don't know why I remember it as if it were yesterday, but her getting really serious and you could kind of see her mind working to try to think of an example to give us of what would evil, what is evil. 
And she said, evil would be a terrorist going into a school and shooting children. It was the worst thing she could imagine ever happening. And, and I remember when Columbine happened, I've been in education a long time thinking, holy crap, like this was what Mrs. Jackson thought was evil. And here it's a troubled child. It's not a terrorist. Um, And then it happening more and more and more. So yeah, I think there's a lot of work for society to do to, to look inward and to try to understand how in one generation, the unimaginable becomes frequent. Yep. And for anybody watching and who've caught my, it is a mental health and it's everybody's responsibility as a society, as a world in general, to make mental health, one, more accessible, two, more understood, and three, more accepting. Now, what's happened with all of those school shootings, the blame rests solely on the individual, always on the individual. It's It doesn't matter, um, and it does matter, so bear with me as I try to explain this politically correct, Whoever does or whoever has done a school shooting, the individual made that choice. In that moment, they made that choice. As they made that choice, they didn't feel like they had any other option but to make that choice. Now, whether it was planned, whether it was premeditated, that was was the only choice they logistically had in their brain, right? Now, I'm not saying that's anybody else's fault because they made that choice. We can't blame our choices on anybody else. We hold ourselves accountable and responsible. But when somebody is at a point where they make that choice, they don't understand their emotions. They don't understand their responsibility. They don't understand that it wasn't everybody else's fault that they felt that way. And they create it. Right? And so... Again, there's no blame on anybody. I feel for the shooters because obviously I feel incredibly insanely sad for any of the families or even the teachers or the first responders who have been involved in those situations. But as an individual, I can put myself in that person's shoes and realize the devastation they felt to go to such lengths. It's, that's not, I don't think that's an easy choice. When you're in a highly emotional state, that's when those choices get made. When you are in a high emotional state and you don't know how to control it. That's why people turn to drugs and alcohol. That's why people turn to, you know, abusing themselves is a lack of, of emotional control. Yeah, these are topics uh, much bigger than education. And I think that educators (laughs) are, right? Absolutely right in stating, don't put it all on our backs. Um, And I think that that's in large, you know, part of the reason that that teachers are fed up and principals are fed up because um, it's not educators who cause these problems and it's not educators who are going to solve them. Although educators are giving heart and soul to care for as many kids as, as we can, as, as well as we can um, during historically epic times. So to say it's been challenging the past few years for educators is a monumental understatement um, and for kids and for parents and for all of us. So what's the way forward. Um, Winston Churchill is known for having said, known for lots of things, but known for having said, um, never let a good crisis go to waste. 
uh, when he said crisis, that was a monumental understatement because his crisis was World War II. So um, we've been through crisis, we've been through trauma, we've been through tragedy. So, and, and, and not to, to um, idealize it in any way, we didn't choose to go through it, but since we did, what is it that we can take from that experience that we've earned through going through that experience in order to redesign and to order in order to together create a future better than the present in which we find ourselves. Yeah. I think that it, it, you are right. It's not any one person. And I thought about being a teacher for many years. I don't have the patience. I, I commend teachers and first responders and um, nurses for the things that I can do. I am squeamish as hell. So I could never be a nurse. And I know like 10 nurses, I couldn't do it. It's not something I could possibly do. So the same goes for teachers. I couldn't spend day in, day out, eight months out of a year, 10 months out of a year, teaching other people's kids, not even just one, but multiple children at one time, I couldn't do it. So my com commendations to all teachers, because yeah, I, I yeah, <laughs> I couldn't do it. Yes, I remember back in, I don't know, it must have been 2013, 20, no, earlier. Maybe it was like 2011 or 2012, I'm not sure. Um, but, we, you know, we were doing lockdown drills back then. This isn't new. Um, goes back since 9-11, you know, the lockdown drills. But um, remember a, a police officer coming to lead the school I was the principal of in a lockdown drill and to talk about, us what what would happen if there was an armed intruder and he started it out by saying um i still get chills thinking about it so it's this really big muscular strong officer speaking to this group of elementary school teachers and he says like with real emotion you guys are heroes i can handle any of the unsavory characters at 3 a.m. downtown, but I couldn't last an hour in a room with seven-year-olds like you do. And the room bursted out in applause. They, they, they fell in love with him. Um, and, and that was before things got harder. It was before teachers were called essential. They are, we are essential. And, and so often, you know, the, the blame of the world gets put on the shoulders of those who have hearts big enough to open themselves up to try to do their part. And we don't want them battered down in the process of trying to do what they can, yeah. even when it's perfect and messy. Yeah. I, as a parent, and I've had to go to bat for my children. Um, I have a type one diabetic daughter who not a lot of people understand what that means or how to deal with that. So I've had to go to back to the school. I have a, another child that is allergic to the cold. And when you tell people that you have a daughter that is absolutely anaphylactic, allergic to cold, it's like, um, what? And I live in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, where it gets minus 50 with the wind chill. <laughs> Um, in the winter and plus 45 plus 50 in the summer <laughs> so we get quite the weather here um, but I had to fight even to have her picked up in front of the house right because but at the same time and the reason I'm stating that is we as parents feel that we have to fight for our kids right mm -hmm. um, and I think that comes from the statistical viewpoint right and 
a lot of the times you'll hear that, you know, in the education system, children are treated like statistics, right? And if they don't meet certain requirements, they're below those statistics, right? Or, or vice versa. And then what's ended up happening is you have parents who get an email, your kid didn't do this, your kid didn't do that, this is missing. And a lot of parents, not all, not all but some parents go back and say, and it becomes the teacher's fault. I don't understand when it became the teacher's fault that the kid wasn't doing what they needed to do, right? Now I can see absolutely defending if there's a stereotype, if there's you know a lack of diversity, if there is you know anything that is morally or acceptably not allowed um, from the teacher because that does happen. Unfortunately, it does. But at the same time, there should be more investigation done on both ends, right? Is the kid telling the truth about what happened? How do we work through this? Is the teacher telling the truth? How can we come to an equal resolution? I don't think that happens enough. Um, and I think that goes hand in hand with everybody. And I think for me, redesigning education is understanding what's actually needed for teachers, for students, for staff, for futuristic goals, right? What is our goal? Is our goal just to send them to, to college and university? Because that's not happening as much now, right? So are we teaching them how to be well-rounded individuals who are smart, who are considerate, who are kind, who know how to follow the rules. Basically, in my opinion, school is teaching kids how to conform and how to follow rules and how to be good employees. That's, in my opinion, that's what school teaches because of the way school is taught. Yeah, and we've been saying that. I mean, I've been part of conversations saying that since at least 2001. You know, we've been talking about 21st century education as since the turn of the century, 2000, 2001, 2002, when the 21st century actually was new. Um, it's 2022, it's, it's two decades later. And school, life is messy, kids are messy, humans are messy, schools are messy. Um, there's a difference between everybody trying their best during, uh, under less than ideal circumstances and um, not having the outlets to have the conversations and not having the opportunities to really think about, well, what is, what's core? So Maria Montessori talking about peace today, I, we could argue forever about what is core, equity, justice, peace, um, well-being, democracy, um, care, I, you know, it, I, I think it's a, it's a great exercise for people to really think about what is it that matters most to me. Um, and for individual teachers as well, because within a school structure, you can still be within the st school structure and bring your heart and your purpose in the ways that you can. Mm -hmm. And, and small ripple effects, the small, the Small things are big things. And if we opened up the conversations and said, well, what do you think? Ideally, if you could have education any way you wanted it, 
what would you want it to be? We would never come to consensus. How could we? We're humans, we're diverse, we have different perspectives, but we would make progress in understanding what's possible and we would find different outlets and different ways of teaching and learning. Um, and we proved, you know, March of 2020, uh, from one day to the next, schools changed and they did it. They did it in a day, they did it in two days. What would have been a strategic plan for 10 years happened overnight. If we decided we're gonna change, because our kids deserve it, because our teachers deserve it, because our society needs it, we've proven that we can. We just need to choose to do so. Yep. I've had discussions with people on making school year round, right? Having a little bit more holidays spread out throughout the year, but having year round schooling, right? Um, like a nine to five right maybe not making them as as long of days or making them you know eight to three like they they should be or even nine to three right mm -hmm. and having kids go in and teachers go in and do their job and go home and there there are a lot of different things and we all have different opinions and i think that i, I love that you said that because the beauty behind it is we all have different opinions and all of those different opinions are valid and putting all those opinions to paper and having everybody sit down and say, what's best for the kids, right? What's best education-wise, what's best for the kids? Work-wise, what's best for our teachers? Because that's still a job. It's a career. It's not a, you know, they're not, it's not more learning for you. It's not education for you. You're the teacher right? What do you need? Would you be better off with year-round schooling with a couple extra holidays here and there? Would you be better off with a nine to three hours, uh, you know, going up to grade nine instead of grade 12, right? And then having more teachers teach those electives, right? And creating different classes where kids can after work, right? Letting kids get work earlier. Yeah, you know, the, the challenge that yeah, the challenge that a country as large as the United States has it is its size. Um, so, you know, I, there are countries whose educational systems we can agree with, we cannot, but people look at them as models. Singapore, people look at as a model. Singapore as a country is the size of Chicago. So to change, um, to change something on, on that scope and that scale is really, it's, it, it's, to scope and scale. So um, how do we empower teachers in classrooms? So the single most impactful difference in an education of a child is the quality of the teacher. So quality of learning is um, varies more between teachers within a school than between teachers in different schools. So how can we support our teachers to excel? How can we give our empower our teachers to um, do their work with professionalism? Um, Next is principles. So how do we support principles to have more autonomy? So how can we 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 still um, publicly funded organizations need to prove that they're using public funds in you know, on a fiduciary responsible way? So and and they're being responsible and kids are learning and there's equity across the country. Um, so it's it's complicated. Oh, for sure. So right. So um, but I think that you know teachers, principals, superintendents. Um, can start where they are, starting where they are, 
with what they have and not worrying about what they can't control. And I mean, they'll worry about it sometimes, but trying not to worry about what they can't control and trying to say, well, how can we make the experience the best we possibly can given the constraints we're under and um, lobby for things we want changed, but but before there are changes uh, in a more massive way. My change, right? yeah. How can I, how, what can I do right now today? One of the biggest things that I can suggest to all teachers is ask yourself who your most mem memorable teacher was. Who was the teacher that changed your life? Who was the teacher that made you want to be a teacher and why, right? You look at even everyday people, I'm not a teacher, and I still remember my third grade teacher was one of my most transformational teachers ever. I was called the teacher's pet that year. I loved that woman. She was, like you said, like a walking history book. She knew, she encouraged my passions. She lived her passions. Her classroom was filled with plants and pictures and artwork and she she made it passionate she made that classroom her own and she made sure that she built connections with her students and i think that for me it's that connection it's as an individual as a teacher as a coach as a whatever it is that you do the only thing that you can do responsibly and accountability is bring yourself into that career right it's a passion for a reason yeah, I, I, I would say absolutely yes. And um, we've connected as humans since the beginning of time, right? So um, before there were schools, grownups taught kids in, in organic ways, in, in deep relationships. So yes, relationship learning is, is really important. And there are models on whose shoulders we can stand to do that and absolutely look back to teachers we love and approaches we love. So we all have our own pedagogic approaches and ideas of, of what what we believe is best um, and how do we look at the times in which we live and the time every time is unique our times are unique how do we look at these times and say how do we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us and be adaptable and responsive as best we can to what we're facing today and um the questions are are as important as the answers because in living the questions in that journey, in that process, you're changing. You, you can't help but change when you open up your awareness and think about possibilities that you hadn't thought about before. Yeah, absolutely. I think that if we, as, again, as teachers, you want knowledge, you want to teach knowledge, you want to you know, impact, empowering, impact and empower starving minds, kids that want to learn, kids that want to be heard. And again, I, I have mad love for teachers, absolutely mad love for teachers, because I couldn't do it. I think of myself as a teacher sitting in that classroom, I would notice every child who's having a hard day. I would notice every child that's struggling in themselves or struggling with their peers. And I'd want to help with that because that's, that's my passion is helping people be happy. Mm -hmm. And so that would be what I would bring to it. But again, it's how much can I get involved? How much can I say? What should I say? You know, and 
Yeah. There's a lot. I mean, a lot, a lot. So if you were a teacher and you could be whatever you want to be, so you've, you've chosen not to be a classroom teacher and that's cool. And if you chose to be, you could. Um, and if your passion is bringing happiness to others, you could bring a focus on grounding and happiness and joy into your classroom and nobody could stop you right? They could demand that you do standardized tests. They could demand that you give homework. They could require whatever they require, but they can't stop you from spreading joy. Nobody can, right? So whatever your core purpose is that you can bring, um, you bring it and you unleash it. And um, it gives you greater purpose and fulfillment, even through the times of adversity, and it's it's crazy effective for kids because it's real. Yeah, absolutely. So, what else? <laughs> what else do you think um, redesigning education would look like? We've talked about you know um, teachers bringing themselves into it. We've talked about um, different variations of the education system and, you know, bringing it forward to 2022 <laughs> rather than 1900s and yeah. just finding those differences. What else, is there anything else you'd like to add about that? I mean, I've said it a lot of times. I think it's, it's two main things for me. There are three main things for me. One, small is huge and, and that impacts a lot of ways. So the example we gave, a teacher bringing joy to the classroom, that's huge. Um, principals using whatever leeway they have in their own buildings to bring education uh, to the level, to the, the, the purpose that, that they see is huge. Um, superintendents figuring out how to organize a district so that there's choice, uh, so that principals have choice, so that teachers have choice, so that families and kids have choice. So to open up possibilities and to believe that we can make the impossible possible. We did it through the pandemic. We made the impossible, not only possible, we made it routine and every day. Um, we would have thought if you had told us back in, you know, the end of 2019, what was coming, nobody would have believed it was possible and it was done. And in many cases, it was done really, really well. So there's a choice. We didn't want to have a choice. No one could say COVID go away. We don't want you anymore, right? It was, it was here. There was nothing to do. But if we made the choice that the well-being of our kids is core, that being adaptable and relationship rich is core, and we're not going back on it, just like we didn't go back on COVID because we couldn't, we could choose that we won't. So, you know, it's small as huge. It's embrace choice. And, and if it matters enough, live in it so that it, it matters and don't turn back. Um, and I think the last piece for me is, is where I've come to on all of this is, is well-being. So yeah, I absolutely want kids to be happy, but I also want them to be allowed to be sad and allowed to be angry and allowed to feel all the feels um, and to be able to face all those emotions, knowing that they have the power to without being overwhelmed and drowning in those emotions. So that for me is emotional well-being when, when all of the feelings have a place um, where we do focus on physical well-being and what does it mean to care for yourself uh, physically, nutrition, exercise, um, 
if financial well-being, what does it mean to make a living in this world and to open, this is as we get into high school, you talked about not all academic courses. What does it mean to figure out the different ways that you can make a living and, and experience financial well-being? Um, so, social emotional well-being, really focusing on what does it mean to be in relationship? Uh, that we know is so core to long-term success, so much more core to long-term success than much of academic. So, so it's it's I, I guess those three pieces I would say small is huge, choice and well-being, and a focus on well-being. And we can redesign education. We proved it to ourselves. We can believe in ourselves, and we can take the step forward, and and not blame, fight. Absolutely. We can be warriors for what we believe in, for sure. And while we're fighting with what we have, make the decision right away to bring all we have in the ways that we believe to serve the kids that we have the gift and the blessing to be able to serve. I love that you pointed that out. We've done how many not even just school systems, how many businesses and relationships and corporations have done things the same way for hundreds of years. And they're like, well, we've been doing this for so long, we can't change it. COVID did change it. The pandemic did change a lot of things. There's a lot more working from home. There's a lot more leniency. There's a lot more, we're in 2022, the world is changing. And if we focus on changing it the right way we could create a smarter world and when i say smarter the e and i love that you mentioned that the e on the smarter method is emotional stability and that means it's okay to not be okay i'm all for that so i love that you mentioned that it is okay to not be okay it is okay to be sad but we need to teach each other how to process those emotions, how to work through them. You look at kids that are having temper tantrums. You can't do that. Well, why not? I'm an adult and I have a fucking temper tantrum sometimes. <laughs> Pardon my language, but yeah, like I'm allowed to have temper tantrums every so often. I will hold myself back from hurting anybody else's feelings. But right before the show i had a little mini temper tantrum in my head i was so annoyed my husband's on crutches and we smoke so we were going outside for a cigarette and all of us i was going outside for a cigarette before the show i i there was no plan of anybody else and then they decided to join me and i'm like and he's like give me a minute i'm like no i don't have a minute get up we're going now otherwise don't join me <laughs> like just Mild temper tantrum, right? And then I'm like, I'm not mad at you, but I wasn't, you know, this is the ease, the ebb and flow of me just being able to do what I need to do without you home. <laughs> um, but he's home. So it's like, uh... anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's exactly what it is. You think of kids. If a kid comes into school and they're having a hard day and they're lashing out, they don't know any better because they haven't been taught how to process, control, acknowledge and move through those emotions yeah and there are the kids who won't lash out because they want to please the grown-ups and and the grown-ups want them they want most most adults want two things for kids they want them to be happy and they want them to be successful and they want 
that to be demonstrated in the ways that society uh, views people who behave as happy and successful ways. And it comes out of love. It comes out of care. Who doesn't want good for their kids? But some kids lash out against it and other kids conform. And so they look successful and they look happy, but they've lost themselves in the process. And they feel sad, but they repress it. They feel anger, but they repress it. And, and that's not good for anybody. So to be able to say, um, I want you to be you. And, and that's sometimes messy and it's sometimes uncomfortable and, and you don't always have to be perfect. You're not, we're all perfectly imperfect, right? So embrace that. Um, and you don't always have to be happy because all of your emotions are part of you. Um, and compassionate humans sometimes feel angry and sometimes feel sad and sometimes feel disgust. And if we didn't, um, we would be cold and blind to the realities of the world around us. So we want that for our students. Um, and so it's really important to make the space for them. So as a teacher, are you thought are you taught any of those emotional cues? Like if a kid comes to school and they're struggling because they're upset and they're lashing out, or they're really like when when I'm processing something, I tend to pace. So I get up, I pace, I can't sit still when I'm in that mode. Now, do I have ADHD? Absolutely not, right? Um, maybe mildly, but, I, but I've never shown the true symptoms of ADHD. But yet if I go and you're like, you have to sit there, I'm gonna be like, no. And I'm gonna get angrier and angrier and angrier the longer you make me sit here because I feel confined and I don't like feeling confined. Right. And so there's that, that Absolutely. side of that, right? Absolutely. And there's so, and it's, and it's so diverse. So you would get angry, understandably, and another child would sit down and conform, but just feel um, more and more wounded inside without showing it. Yeah. And none of it's okay. Yeah. And so that would be another thing for redesigning education is understanding that we're all each individuals, even the kids are little individuals, right? They, they need to know that their feelings are, res are respected and okay. You know, them lashing out? No, absolutely not. You know what I mean? Hey, do you need to go and just be in the quiet room for five minutes? Do you need some time to yourself? Go for, to the quiet room for five minutes, take a book. This is what we're working on, whatever you need, right? I know we had those uh, in a couple of my kids' schools where they would have quiet rooms if the kids were, you know, really emotional or really upset or hurt or anything, they would be able to go to this room, just give themselves a few minutes and then return back to class. And when you give them that acknowledgement and that power to be like, okay, I understand you're upset. Nothing wrong with that, right? As long as you're not disrespecting me or the class, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Why don't you take it over here and, you know, process through it, work through it, take some time, right? Let yourself calm your emotions, you know, have a little workbook on how they can calm their emotions. Like this for me is the smarter method. It's, it's, I'm okay right? It, mm -hmm. Oh, I love the smarter method. I'm, I'm making that like the next thing. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> is there anything you'd like to add before we get going? I, I, I think just, um, John Dewey, great educator, um, said we, we don't learn from experience. We learn from reflecting on experience. And we've been through a 
traumatic experience, numerous traumatic experiences. And, and I think that it's important for us to give us ourselves the space and the grace to reflect, to find the wisdom in what we have experienced, and then to make intentional choices about how to move forward. In whatever way that looks, right? Yes, if you've whatever way that looks. In the last five, 10 years, that's got you questioning your career choice, questioning your identity, questioning where you want to go. Absolutely take that time and reevaluate and make the choices that work for you. I've talked to quite a few teachers on this channel already who have left teaching to start their own practices. And you know what, maybe that's something that has to be done to create ref uh, reform or create those changes. So absolutely, wherever it is that you're at, if you're watching, if you're struggling, whatever it is that's going through for you, Take that time, look within yourself, ask yourself, is this really what I want? Um, as a teacher, like we both said, take some time, put your passion into it, right? If teaching, look at those teachers who put on the wall, you line up outside of the classroom before you go in and you get to choose whether you want to hug, whether you want to dance, whether you want to high five, or whether you want nothing. And as you, you know, hit the wall, wherever it is that that picture lies, you get what you asked for and you get in the class, right? And it's a little bit, little way to build individuality and choice, right? But those teachers are really putting their own swing on things. So definitely put yourself into it. Um, question uh, what it is that you, that you want out of your role as a teacher or a principal or as a superintendent. What little changes can you make? Because when we start to make little changes, and reform doesn't happen to an entire country in one day. <laughs> so if one school wants to try it out, or if somebody who is thinking of getting out of teaching wants to try um, a different schooling method, why not? If you could get a group of people together and I'll provide the, the smarter method for mental health and awareness and, and health and wellness. And you guys do the educational part. I'll give you that. You do schooling from pre-K to, <laughs> to grade nine, go right ahead um, and see how the kids turn out, right? Because shoot, as parents, I've had four kids. All of them have been learning lessons. All of them have been different. I've had to parent them each individually. None of them wanted the same thing. So um, why not try, right? We're, that's the whole point, trial and error. All right. Well, thank you for joining me today. I really appreciated it. Thank you so much. It's great sorry, to talk to you. Sorry for my tangents. I tend to go on tangents every so often, especially when I'm really passionate about something, I get sidetracked with it. So yeah. Free-flowing conversation. No worries. Absolutely. It's great to talk to you. All right. Well, for anyone watching or catching the replay, if you would like to get in touch with either myself or... Sh okay. How do you pronounce your name properly? Shira. Shira. Because <laughs> I know I said Shira at the beginning, and then you corrected me, and I'm like, Shira, Shira, yeah. Okay, if anybody wants to connect with either myself or Shira, please do so. Our links are in the description of this video um, or this episode, wherever you're watching, listening, or whatever, however you're entertaining this episode. If you'd like to get involved with this conversation, you can reach out to either one of us. You can comment on where you're watching us or message from where you're watching. I will make sure to get the message to Shira. 
Um, yeah. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. All right, just a family. This has been your episode today. Our sponsor, uh, Phoenix Identity with the Smarter Method, but Smarter Kids is the particular topic today. And go and check that out. Link in the description. And yeah, we're always looking for guest speakers. We're always looking for featured topics. We want to give you something to talk about. So if you have something you want to hear us talk about, get involved. Let us know. Talk to y'all later. Lots of love. Bye.